Foreplay. Foreplay. With Pierce McCarthy. Let's talk about the four songs that you wrote that are most personal to you. Foreplay. Hey there, folks, and you're very welcome to episode 10 of Foreplay. My guest this week not only is an artist in her own right, but has written for the likes of Niall Horan, Britney Spears, Martin Garrix, and Westlife, to name but a few. She's also been nominated for a Grammy with John Legend, as well as being the driving force behind Irish Women in Harmony. So our virtual journey this week takes us across the pond to London, where I'm thrilled to be joined by the exceptionally talented Ruth Ann. Ruth Ann, you're very welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Thank yeah. you so much for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on. It's, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. How's 2020 been for you so far? Crazy for everybody else, I guess. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been it's been a weird year, mm. but um, do, you know, I it's the year that I kind of created and and produced the Irish Women in Harmony. So it actually ended up being a really uh, also a great year in in a weird way as well. It, there was there was so many positives that I could take from this year, yeah. Um, especially being part of the Irish Women in Harmony community. So yeah, it's been. It started off like everyone else baking a lot of banana bread in March and then <laughs> and then it was just kind of like, let's adapt to this and just, you know, be as creative as possible. So I've been still writing and, and, and still making music and, and doing as much as I could do with the lockdown. So it's been great. It kind of felt like being a teenager again in my bedroom, you know, start writing songs where I began writing songs again, you know. Everything kind of comes around. I'm curious, yeah. I read somewhere that you decided you wanted to take up and, and better yourself at guitar. How's that worked out for you? been good I uh yeah I took up the guitar in late March and I got a baby Taylor and I just loved it and it's definitely because I've been played piano since I was 12 with guitar I was like wow this is I have a lot more respect for guitar play because it's way harder I think to learn than piano uh, was I kind of took to the piano really easily mm. guitar is definitely something that like even if you stop playing for a few weeks you kind of then have to build yourself back up again with your fingers yeah. and everything like that so but good, a work in progress. I wouldn't say I'm, you know, amazing yet, but I'm getting, I'm getting better. You're almost a slash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that might take me a few more. I need 10,000 hours and then I think I might be near that. <laughs> yeah, we need another lockdown for 2021 and yes. then, then you'll be there. But hey, you know, let's, let, let's not go there, let's eh? I hope not, not for that. <laughs> so Ruthann, I invited you onto the podcast to talk about the four songs uh, that you've written that are most personal to you. And I'll jump in with one that you wrote for yourself. It's a song called The Vow. Now, why did you pick this one? Well, The Vow is definitely definitely one of the most personal and one of my proudest songs that I've ever written and it means a lot to me and the way that it's been received by people walking down the aisle to it and getting engaged to it and you know seeing people's babies falling asleep to the vow and soothing them and so it's really become one of my most popular songs as an artist and it was my first release as an artist so it's has it's a really special song to me so that's why it's one of my one that I chose Did I read somewhere that I think your parents are many many moons married and a lot of the song is directed towards them Yeah like what's interesting is that I actually wasn't with anyone at the time that I wrote it Okay and I woke up I had been speaking to a male friend on the phone the night that I wrote it and I was talk I was saying to him on oh, my parents 
at the time they were 43 years married when I wrote it and I was saying you know I just want to find someone that you know is my partner and that unconditional love like my parents have you know have this years of marriage and and everything and I fell asleep that night and I woke up at five in the morning and I woke up with writing and I wrote the lyrics down it was almost like they came to me in a dream wow I woke up scrambled wrote them down at five in the morning and then I walked into the studio the next day and I said, I think I've written the cheesiest song I've ever written, but I think it also might be lovely because at the time I was writing a lot of heartbreak songs. So this was like a love song. So yeah. for me, it felt cheesy. So I read out the lyrics I had written and Future Cut, who I, who I wrote the song with, were like, oh my God, that's like what I would say to my wife at our wedding. It's like a vow. So I called the song The Vow and we wrote it like I had all the lyrics done and basically they started playing chords and I we wrote it in very quick time. The melodies, everything was done very quickly. So it was just one of them magical moments in songwriting that you don't get every day and where yeah. it just came very easy. I actually thought when, when, when I read that about your parents, because my, my parents, they're 56 years married and they're 60 years wow. together, you know, and, and there's the yeah. line in the song that when I heard it, I kind of thought, yeah, you know what? Because my parents, like my dad's 81 and my mother's 77, but when they walk down the street, they still hold hands. It's very, very romantic. And the line that really hit me that would sum up my parents' love for each other is when I'm oh so old and I lose my mind, I'll still look at you like it's the first time. Yeah, that one gets to me as well because that's what I've seen my parents are like with each other yeah they still are like teenagers in a way and they still have that fun love mm. and they still kind of you know they play tricks on each other and they have a laugh and they sing together and everything like that and what's interesting is is that I was writing it from the perspective of the love that I've watched growing up but also the love that I wanted to have mm. and the unconditional love that we all kind of long for and in my life at the time I didn't have that but when I was looking around me, I had so many friends that I had that unconditional love with and I had so many and my parents and my family. And so I wanted the song to not just be to a lover, but to be just about people the we relationship love. between. Yeah, the relationship between mother to child or, you know, like any type of unconditional love. And it really has, you know, I've gotten so many amazing messages from people who've lost grandparents who say that the vow reminds them of their relationship with their granddad and the the line you are my constant yeah. is a line that was quite a topic of conversation between me and the writers of like oh I don't know that's never really been said like can you say that is that the right thing to say and I was like well we're keeping it in because any type of like you know discussion like this means the line is good because it's unique mm. and it's the line that's been I've gotten so many people that have proposed using that line and saying that the song gave them that line to use to propose and just like all them type of stories and for it to really connect with people in the way that it has has really like kind of blown me away and it just reminds me of how important it is to write music like The Vow that has a real authentic kind of unconditional love element to it because then people can connect to it. Yeah because I guess you know what like the world our parents would have grown up in and the love affairs and the length of relationships they have it's very hard to see that in today's world. But that, that, yeah, absolutely. And the line that you said, the you are my constant, for me, that's my daughters. You know, I have two daughters, yeah. they're both in their 20s now. And it's no matter what, no matter all the kind of crap 
that we've gone through yeah. during the years. And I mean, they've seen me kind of go through relationship breakups as well and heartbreak and all that. But they've yeah. always been that constant, that love that I have for them. I'm so glad that, that that spoke to you because that's I've gotten so many videos from mothers just filming their children and sending them to me and, and saying they are her, you know, the constant in their lives. And everybody needs someone in their life that's their constant, mm. whether it's a daughter, a brother, a sister, a lover, a mother. Like, you know, it's like mm. we need that in our lives. And so I'm just really proud of this song because I think it kind of is it reminds people of something or it brings people closer together or it sums up, you know, someone's relationship. And a, for a song that I've written to be a part of people's lives like that yeah. is makes it it's more meaningful than any chart position would ever be is to just know that it's been a part of people's big days or their, yeah. you know, any days that they have in their lives. It's really like it's a, something as a songwriter that it's the type of song I've always wanted to write and yeah. have. A good song is timeless. Like you can, you can only stay number one in the charts for so long, but a good song <laughs> is forever. Yeah. And I think with the vow, what we've been finding is, is that I released it two years ago and the song keeps going from strength to strength. Every year there's mm. been a big... We had, you know, was on the finale of Love Island in the UK, which was a big, went to number one then in the Irish charts. And then it was on this Netflix film, Raising Dion, and, and that gave it a huge growth in America. And then this year it was on Grey's Anatomy in America. Wow. And so the song keeps kind of finding new ears and finding new audiences. And I don't even think that the song has maybe even had its biggest moment. Mm. My dream would be to have it in like, you know, a Twilight kind of movie series or some big love story movie but yeah. I um, I feel like I hope my hopes for the song is that it just continues to grow and, and gain more listeners and connect with more people around the world Okay well will we have a listen to the song so Yeah Okay You are listening to the 4Play Music Podcast with me Pierce McCarthy Ruth Ann is my guest this week on the uh, podcast and this is the first song that she's chosen it's the very beautiful The Vow When time is up and the sun it dies Till the rivers flood and the ocean dries Hand in hand under the falling sky I will love you When I'm old so old that I lose my mind But I'll still look at you like it's the first time So many say it and it's all a lie But I will love you You are the reason I make it through the day You give me the reason oh, To better all my ways The beauty goes, the money spent And everything else fades away You are my kind
And I have to say, I absolutely love the closing lines. You know, when the time is up and the sun it dies until the rivers flood and the oceans dry, hand in hand under the falling sky, I will love you. That's a real forever, and isn't it? Thank you. Yeah. The, and those are the lyrics that I woke up and wrote down. They, wow. I think I could, it's almost like I remember kind of seeing all those images and then I woke up and that was the first lyric I wrote down. So it just like, I almost feel like I can't even take credit for it because I feel like someone sent me the lyrics in a dream. <laughs> and when, and, and, and when you actually woke up and wrote those lyrics, was there mm-hmm. that kind of like, wow, Jesus moment that this actually could be something really special here? No, no, no okay. not at all. I, like I said, I thought I was like, is this cheesy? Is this beautiful? I don't know. And it wasn't until I got to the studio. I tell you when I knew it was special. I actually struggled to record it because I kept crying because it really, the words were really just, I don't know. It just all, I was like, this is such a special lyric and it, and it just made me cry. And, and then I knew, and when we put the harmonies to it, we decided to do that really haunting acapella three part harmony. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, Ooh, I think this is something really special. And there's not every day when you're writing a song that you get that feeling you know it's you get it a few times in your career of that special moment Mm. and those are the moments that we do it for so I'll always look back on that song as just a really magical songwriting moment for me. Now as a songwriter I mean your career started very early and I mean before writing for yourself you cut your teeth writing for other artists when did you realize that songwriting was a thing that a talent that you had or a God-given talent that you had? I, I, I don't know. I, I always just did it. It was just, it was like singing for me. It's like, I wrote my first song when I was seven. Okay. My dad and mom uh, sing in church. So there was guitars in the house, pianos in the house. I started teaching myself the piano at 12. I was, had a two track mic tape recorder that my dad had given me with a, with a tape and a mic. And I would just write songs. I just never remember not really writing songs I never knew I was any good at it (laughs) until you know I still even have days where I'm like am I even good at this I think every songwriter does I don't think you ever are like I'm so good at songwriting because it's music is subjective so but it's just always something that I've done and I guess that when I started having success as a songwriter I didn't even know that you could be a songwriter and that artists didn't write their own music Mm. so I was very confused like whoa I can do this and you know the person doesn't have to be in the room, like the artist doesn't have to be there. But it's such an amazing job to have because in a way I get to really write in every different genre. You know, I get to kind of really be a part of all different types of songs. Like with the Nile horn stuff that I've done, it's quite Fleetwood Mac and Eagle sounding. And then with Jojo, the Too Little Too Late song is an R&B song. So 
R&B pop. So I feel like I get to be involved in all different genres being a songwriter. So I just really like enjoy it. And that was kind of the break for you, wasn't it? Writing for Jojo and you were 17. I mean, yeah. how mad was that? Being 17. It was <laughs> I just finished my leave and surf and I was brought to LA. The day after I finished my leave and surf, brought to LA, co-wrote that song three days later into my trip. I'd never been to America before. I'd never co-written before. I had just been writing on my own in my bedroom. And so it was very crazy time and it was kind of me learning the ropes of what being a professional songwriter was I was kind of just thrust into like okay you're a songwriter now this is what you do and there's no really handbook to to show you how to be a professional songwriter it's yeah. kind of you have to just experience it so I almost feel like those first few years were, were my were like college of songwriting but not being in the college actually just being out in LA learning about the industry mm. and I learned a lot and it was a it was a very educational time but it was also a very lonely time being I can imagine, yeah. at that young and everything and then all of a sudden you've had it your first hit and then you're the new kid on the scene and so yeah it was definitely it was a it's been a massive roller coaster ride ever since I've gotten into the industry but I'm very proud to say that you know I've been in it now for over 15 years professionally and I'm just so feel so lucky with the songs I've gotten to be a part of you know mm. sometimes I just I was in Donelm today and one of my Christmas song that I wrote with John Legend was on. And my fiance says, isn't that your John Legend song? Like little moments like that where you just are like, oh, my God, this song is like playing in a shop and no one knows that I wrote that. You know, it's just like crazy. And it's just it's just insane to me, the songs that I've got to be a part of. Yeah. Writing with John Legend. Did you get to meet him or was it kind of done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I wrote with him, just me and him, him and a piano and, wow. and me and. That must have been um, one of those pinch yourself moments, I'd say, was it? Yeah, it definitely was for me because John, like there's certain artists I write with that I wouldn't have grown up listening to. So I don't feel, you know, I'm, you know, I feel like they're, I don't need to be starstruck. They're just normal people. But mm. with anyone that I kind of grew up listening to or like, you know, looking up to, those are always sessions that I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm writing with John Legend. I'm from Donamede. I don't know how this <laughs> happened. What yeah. if I'm terrible? What if he hates me? What if I can't? What if nothing comes out of so on the way in the car, I'm always quite nervous. But then as soon as I get in the room, I try to just remember this is just a normal person who just wants to write a song. And all I have to do is just write the best song that I can and forget about who it is. And, and do you ever think that maybe they might be saying, crikey, this is Ruth Ann. She's written so many great songs. I hope she doesn't <laughs> think of a fake. <laughs> no, I <laughs> I'd be very surprised if John Legend thought that. Well, you never know. Um, but <laughs> you never know. Maybe he was just as nervous as me. You never know. But a lot of the artists I've worked with are so sweet. And they are, because you're writing a song with them, there's no, they are just quite grounded and normal when you write with them because yeah. they're, you know, you're there to have a common bond of writing something that they're going to sing. So it's always a quite a nice experience with artists in, yeah. in that scenario. Now, the second song that you picked is the fantastic yeah. In the Name of Love. Yes. So tell me, how did this come about? Yeah, wow. <laughs> this one I picked because this was at a time in my life I had moved to LA. I had had a few hits, as they say. And I thought, oh, this is easy. This is just, you know, this is just going to keep happening. You know, you're young and you're stupid. And and then you have a few years where you're not having hits and the mm. money is starting to go and you're in LA and you don't come from a rich family. So they're like, listen, if you run out of money, you're getting the boat home. And I had to start singing in wedding bands because I was so broke and keeping in mind I'd had hits. So people thought I was just, you know, rolling in the dough forever. So I had to really humble myself and keep going into sessions and writing 
but also realizing that I needed to kind of start again. And so I took a job singing in wedding bands at the weekends to make any money that I could. Mm -hmm. And I wrote in the name of love during that time. So no one in sessions knew that I was going through a rough patch at all. And I was in LA thinking I'd have to, you know, get the boat home and maybe have to give up music. But I kept you know, just keeping it about the music and I kept showing up and I just kept doing the work and I just kept saying to myself, you know, just keep writing songs. Something's going to happen. And when that day I had written a song called In the Name of Love seven years before and someone had reminded me of that song and said, oh, do you remember that song you wrote In the Name of Love? And I said, oh, yeah, that was a terrible song. But in my head, I went, that's a great title, though. And thanks to you, too. It is a great title. <laughs> and luckily you, can, luckily you can't copyright titles. Yeah. So I um, went in the studio on the next day and I was working with Ilse, who's a fantastic songwriter, and Matt Rad. And I said, I think In the Name of Love is just, I can just imagine it in a stadium. It's just, like, it's just a really big title. I think we could bring it back. And I started singing the first few lines with the lyrics. I just, out of my head, just started singing it. And Ilse started jumping in and we were kind of playing this call and answer thing it was really crazy how it was written and why it's so personal to me is is that all the lyrics in the song it sounds like you're talking to a lover but for me I was talking to the music industry Ah. so it's like what would all the things I'm doing for you would you do this for me would you leave me even when you're blind in the darkness in the middle of the night okay yeah and so all of it is like I want to testify scream in the holy light you bring me back to life and it's all in the name of love that's about my relationship with music okay. um, and how music is the reason that I'm here but the industry is what's you know is what I'm like calling out to so I think that when a lot of people listen to it Ilse was writing it to a lover I was writing it to the music industry she didn't know that at the time you know so yeah. it's an interesting way to write because all the lyrics that I was coming up with were coming from a place of this you know, love of music and not wanting to have to leave the industry and needing a sign. And I got that sign when this song became a huge hit around the world and my career kind of took off again. So it really was the song that kind of kept me, I I nearly gave up. And then when I got the call saying, oh, by the way, that song you wrote in the name of love, it's, you know, it's coming out in a month from Martin Garrix. And I was like, okay, we're back in the game. We're back in the game. But you see, persistence. And consistency, yeah. I think, pays off all the time. You know, if you, if you love something enough, and it's like any relationship, really, isn't it? I mean, music seems yeah. to be your your big, big love. No disrespect to your fiancé, but I mean, music <laughs> is your your big, big love. And you stuck with yeah, it through it the breaks, dark days. Yeah, and it breaks your heart sometimes. Oh, yeah. You know, it's not the, it's not the music that break, breaks your heart. It's the business because art yeah. and business, you know, they yeah. don't really mix. And I think over the years in the industry, I've had to learn that. And I've found a way to make the business work for me because, you know, you're, I was young and you have to learn, you have to, you have to, I was rich and then poor. I was, you know, hot songwriter. Then I was not a hot songwriter. And then you have to rebuild. And I think it's about coming back after that. Like it's about how you deal with the failure. And I just kept it about the music. And when this song came out, I was absolutely so blown away with how, how it just was so global and, you know, I watched him perform it at Coachella. Everyone sang it, you know, just thousands of just people singing it, all the words. It really, you know, was such a huge song of that year. And um, and it's just a really, a really personal one to me. OK, brilliant. We'll have a listen to it. So, uh, Ruthann, this is In the Name of Love. If I told you 
This was only gonna hurt if I warned you that the fire's gonna burn. Would you walk in? Would you let me do it first? Do it all in the name of love. Would you let me lead you even when you're blind in the darkness, in the middle of the night, in the silence, when there's no one by your side? Would you call in the name of love? always wondered right you know when you write songs mm-hmm. for yourself and, and I mean when you write songs for yourself and it's a very personal thing yeah. is there a different you know the way is there a different kind of train of thought then when you're writing for somebody else because you know you're ultimately writing this and giving it away yeah I think it depends on the situation for something like in the name of love we didn't have the artist in the room with us so oh. I was writing it like an artist. Ilse was writing it like we were writing it kind of for ourselves, at that, from ourselves perspective, if that makes sense. Mm. I think there's a difference when you're in the room and I'm in the room with Niall, when I'm in the room with John, I'm more like a therapist trying to bring out of them what they want to talk about. So there's a different element of my job in that way of like, I want to talk about something that they're going through and something that's personal to them that I can relate to. Things we get very close. So when you're when you're writing with somebody like that, or writing oh, for course, somebody. Yeah, yeah. They, 
yeah, you have to. I mean, that's how you get the best songs, in my opinion. I've never been a songwriter that can kind of write about nothing. So my way with artists is to all always try and get a story that's going on in their lives that we can talk about. And I think that that's really important when you're writing with an artist. And then when I'm writing for myself, I have to bring those stories out of myself, be my own therapist. Is that harder? Um, No, I think it's probably easier when I'm writing for myself because I can kind of, you know, sometimes with artists, you need to be on the same page. And some days you might not be on the same page or they may not want to talk about certain things or, you know, so it's, it can be, I think it's more difficult when you're trying to find the same page, but I've been very fortunate. A lot of the artists that I've written with, I found a common ground, but I've definitely had sessions where it's like pulling stone. Yeah. <laughs> Some artists don't want to tell you their, their stories, but then it's like, okay, well, what do you want to write about? Well, I want to write about nothing. And then that's like, okay, well, that's impossible. <laughs> With an artist like that, right? So, you know, it's like pulling teeth, right? So anyway, you've, mm-hmm. you've, you've written the song, it's become a hit, and then you're sitting at home watching the television, and then they start going on about, well, when I wrote this song, it was about A, B, and C. Would that be a frustration? Or is it just something that you just get over and deal with? Yeah, I think when I was younger, it annoyed me a little bit. But, you know, everyone has their role to play and everyone, it's hard, you know, a lot of, I've been very lucky that a lot of the artists that I've written with actually have been in the room. There's definitely been some where they weren't there and they talk about the song like they were there. But, Mm. you know, you just, you get over that. That's just ego stuff. And, you know, we don't do this for the credit. You know, we get our writing credit and we we get our royalties and we do it for the love of music. So it would, I I definitely would not still be here if that frustrated me every time that that happened. Yeah, yeah. No, I was, do you know what? I was, I was always curious. And and especially when I I immersed myself in the world of Ruth Ann editing this podcast, it was something that kind of jumped up in my mind that I said, I was going to have to ask you. Now, (laughs) the third song that you've picked is a song that you wrote for a fantastic group who, who I read are no longer together anymore. Third Story. And it's a song called Still in Love. How did this come about? Because they were absolutely just amazing. Like there's a, there's this white felt- dudes, I think playing the piano on it. What a voice. Yeah. Oh my God, I know Richard. They are, you know, and they have so many fans around the world still. And I, I opened for them on tour and they have the best fans. Oh my God, just such music lover fans, such loyal beautiful followers they they have that love their music um and i i met them because i there was a cover of a sam smith song that they did that went viral and that's how, how kind of third story and david foster was managing them and i love david foster the and, david foster um, david foster oh david foster produced my found and produced everything michael buble he did i have nothing whitney houston he's one of the well, biggest yeah the david um, foster <laughs> the david foster yes um and he's huge Sorry, I, I sometimes forget people don't know uh, he's just huge, but look him up. He's he's he's. Oh yeah, that's that that's why Celine I said Dion. you're the the David Foster because yeah, it was like he, well. he's, he he found Celine Dion. Yeah. So anyway, he managed them, and um, and so I was like, I have to work with these guys because their voices were amazing. But I the main thing about them at the start was they were just putting up covers. And I said, well, I need to see if they can write or if I can write with them or, you know, and they sat with me the first day I met them and they all took an instrument and they sang me an original song. And then they switched instruments because they all play everything and they all and then they sang another song they'd written and they just kept switching. instruments. And instead of plugging in their phone or putting a CD in of their demos, they were like, can we just sing you live our songs you've been writing? And that just I just. fell in love with them straight away musically and I was like you have to let me 
you know, write with you. And they were like, you know, of course. So I went to New York with them to write. We, I kind of became the member in a way of the band that was able to kind of, and because there's three of them, I kind of would have the deciding vote. You know, they would Mm. kind of come to me and say, Ruth, okay, we, one of us thinks this, one of us thinks this, what do you think? And with Still in Love, we were in the studio and someone started playing this track and there was one part of it, which is the court, which had was playing. Ah, da, da, da. And I started just singing, I'm still in love with you. And at the time, I had just broken up with a songwriter in L.A. who's now a very big songwriter. And he had broken my heart. And I was writing it about, you know, you know, when you bump into someone, an ex at a party and you're trying to be all cool and you're like, you know, you're getting your nails done that day. You want to look amazing and you want to just act like you're over them. But then you go home that night and you're like, oh, I'm still in love with you. Yeah. So I wrote the song and one of the guys in the band was going through the same thing. So again, it was just one of them songs that kind of flew out and it kind of became their signature song. And it was David Foster's favorite of theirs. And at their shows, people would just sing it and, they had a girl join them on it called Erin Allen Kane is amazing. And they did a video and put it on Facebook and it had like 2 million hits within a day or something. And everyone started messaging me like, Oh my God, did you write this in a love song? And I was like, Oh, so it's honestly one of my favorite kind of soul numbers that I've written. Okay. We'll have a listen to it. So you're listening to four play music podcast with myself, Pierce McCarthy. The wonderful Ruth Ann is my guest in this episode. And this is the third song that she has chosen, that she has written. It's called Still in Love, performed by the amazing Third Story. Summer night, drinking wine, by the fire, catching up. I could tell you I was over us. I get high every night when I'm all alone. Cause it helps me forget that I'm feeling low. Told you I was doing fine, but it's a lie, don't you know? And if you want the truth.
Now that's what I call soul. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I love a good soul song. I love just hearing singers just sing and they can sing. But you know what? So can you. And I, and I saw this <laughs> wonderful quote and, it, and it's amazing because the first time I heard you, I was like, this girl's Irish. This girl is white <laughs> yeah. and Irish and she's got soul. When did you discover that you had this beautiful, beautiful voice? Oh God, I don't know. I Again, I just was always singing and I just always noticed that whenever I would sing, people would kind of give me money when I was younger. <laughs> and I used to go around my neighborhood, not thinking I was good, just like when I sing songs, Mariah Carey, people give me like 50p and I get to get extra sweets. So <laughs> it just kind of became this, this thing that I did. And then I started doing karaoke with my parents on holidays and people would stop and take videos because I looked way younger than I was. I, I looked like five when I was like eight and so on. So I took me a while to develop. So I always looked younger than I was. Mm. And uh, and then I, I just love to sing. And I always loved like the greats like Whitney and Mariah and Celine. And those were always my go to songs. And so I was just always performing and, and singing for people. And it's just something that and a lot of people have been like oh my god you're white and you're Irish that's always what I get if people have never met me and they've heard my voice they're like oh my god and I just I'm just like I love that it's I'm like this surprise a lot of people have, would expect me sometimes I think to have a more Britney Spears type voice because because of the way I look you know and then they're like oh you've got soul but I think that all you know these Irish vocalists I think I got it from the, the growing up listening to Sinead and Dolores and Bono and Hozier all these they all have soul we're soul singers I think really at the core of our singing is soul I mean we are an incredibly artistic nation you know and we always have yeah, been we exactly. always have been and I mean we I, I, yeah. you know what I love about being Irish one of the things is that people always underestimate us and it's like we always punch above our weight but then I kind of think well no we don't punch above our weight we're actually punching at our weight because we are that damn good well that's it Oh, sorry. That was my dog agreeing with you. Hey, <laughs> what's up? Sorry, that was her saying yes. But no, I couldn't agree more with you. Everyone, I always thought there's something in the water with Irish singers, and that's why so much this year was me concentrating on raising up the, you know, the, the Irish singers, especially the Irish female singers, because we have some incredible female singers right now in Ireland, and I want them to be heard. It's one of the most amazing projects that. I've ever heard in, in all my years being a fan of music. And and to me, there's nothing more beautiful than women's voices in harmony together. Like one of my favourite bands yeah. uh, the last number of years is The Stabes. I just think yes, their yes. harmonies are the most beautiful, beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, they're just unbelievable. Yeah. How did you come up with the idea of the Irish women in harmony? I just kind of was, you know, looking at the, well, you know, during lockdown, I saw a lot of the online representation of what was going on in music and there was just no women on the lineups and there was no women on the radio and I was getting so many messages saying how come I never hear you on the radio how come I don't see you on the tv and and I know the other girls were as well that was part of it and then the other part was wanting to raise money for charities that really needed it at the time yeah so it was kind of like we need to do something about both of these things and the best way I think to to kind of show people in music is to not talk about it, is to just do it. It's not to moan and say, why are we never on the radio? It's like, okay, let's put out something that's undeniable, that sounds amazing, that's a high standard, produced by females, all female singing, a female's written song, Dolores, you know, the Cranberries. So I felt like all in all, it was about showing people instead of talking about it. And so we did dreams to kind of go, okay, Please help us raise money for Safe Ireland Domestic Abuse 
victims and also please listen to these women's voices yeah. and please play them on the radio. And I think that we did both of those things in a really positive, non, you know, angry way yeah. where we, we didn't have to really fight. We just showed people what we got. And there's so much more to come from all the ladies, including myself and getting to know all these women. And we're just a community now lifting each other up, supporting each other's releases. We're not against each other. We're together and we're powerful. And, you know, we see us all winning together. And that's what's so powerful about this is, is that we are united and we, <laughs> excuse the pun, we really are. I was driven in heart when yeah. there's no, there's been, you know, so it's just been a really amazing project to be a part of. And long may it continue. In previous episodes of the podcast, I've had a, a, a number of the ladies from the Irish Women in Harmony. I've had Stephanie Rainey on, I had Emma, yeah. Langford, I had Emma Langford on and, I mean, they're just tremendous. And they're going amazing. forward, I plan to have more on because. Yes. But I do. I plan to. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. You know, they're just, it's just, I, I, as I said earlier, there's nothing, nothing better than women's voices in harmony because yes. it's just, yes. it just shivers through my spine, shivers through my spine. But, <laughs> you know, so hats off, hats off to you. I mean, an amazing project. Thank and, you. you know, and, and I hope going forward Thanks. that we hear more from it. Obviously. Yes, there will be more. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. Because obviously as things get back to normal, people's schedules are going to go crazy. But uh, it would be nice. You know, I suppose the one thing that you proved is you, you can do all of this online. You can so. do it remotely. Yes. Now, the fourth and final song that you picked for us for this episode is the fantastic Love Again. Why did you pick this song, Ruth? Because again, it's um, one that was really personal to me. And yeah, I just, I feel like it's a song that lifts people up and is meant to remind people that there is always love around you and you can find love again and that has so many meanings to it and at the time when I wrote it I was dating a, an American guy who had just gotten a divorce and he'd been married at like 19 and he was 31 and he'd gotten a divorce and it, she was all he ever kind of knew mm. and I remember him saying to me at the time, I don't think I'll, he said to me, I don't think I'll ever be able to love again. And I knew in my heart of hearts, we weren't going to last. You know, I think I was like his first relationship after his divorce, or no, during his divorce. And um, oh, you were rebound. I, turned around to, <laughs> I probably was a rebound, but I knew in my heart of hearts, he wasn't the one for me. Mm. But when he said that to me, I felt really bad for him. And I immediately wrote down in my phone, I know that I can make you learn to love again. And then I, consult him I was like hold that thought let me write this down because I do that a lot with my songs I always kind of get a song from just these conversations that I have with, with people yeah and um and so I kind of did I did he did you know he was you know after he, he's like oh my god I love you da, da, da. and then in my head I was like oh god now I don't think that this is right for me but I'm glad that I you know that he loved again yeah and so I wrote the song and we broke up because I was like you know what I'm glad that you have healed, but I don't think this is right. I don't think we're the right match, but it didn't end badly or anything like that. Like we're still in touch and still amicable. Cool. But I wrote this song. And if you listen to the lyrics, a lot of it is about his divorce, literally. Yeah. I know you feel like half a man, like you're beginning at the end, but baby, please, won't you give my love a chance? Because you ain't felt nothing like me yet. And that is kind of like, yes. you know, as hard a time as this is for you. Over the horizon, it's going to be better times. Because, and I think you learn that, don't you? The older you get in yeah, life, I, the worse situations yeah. that you come across, there's always a positive to take out of it. 
exactly. And that's what I even think about this year. I think this song applies to not only the, you know, love and the sense of relationship, but it really it's it's applied to me my whole life because anytime I've had times of failure, times of heartbreak, times of anything, I've always kept my eye on the this is gonna get better. Yeah. You know, I've kept my heart open. You know, I think the song is really about don't give up, don't close yourself off, don't build walls around, like stay open, stay, you know, keep going, keep moving forward because there is always better times to come as much as in the moment when it can feel like there isn't, yeah. you know, it there is going to be better times. And I think that this song kind of sums that up in a way in, in general. Okay, we'll have a listen to the song, shall we? Yes. Okay, so this is Ruth Ann and Love Again. This is the fourth and final song that she has chosen. When you've lost all the faith that you once believed, when you're bedded and broke and brought to your knees, no, I don't have the cure to take away the pain, but I know that I can make you learn to love again. Oh, oh. you've been drowning in the liquor, smoking Mary Jane for sleepless nights. But if you let me in, baby, I can be your vice. No, I don't have the answers, but let me ease your brain. Cause I know that I can make you learn to love again. I know you feel like half a man. Like you're beginning at the end. But baby, please, won't you give my love a chance? Cause you ain't felt nothing like me. But forever didn't last And it took all your strength Just to break the chain But I know that I can make you learn to love again I know you feel you've nothing left And all you got in pieces But baby, please Let me give you confidence That you ain't fair Nothing like me, yeah. 
Okay, so you've just heard the fourth and final song picked by my guest on this episode of Four Play Music Podcast. That's Love Again. And what a fantastic number by Ruth Ann. So, Ruth Ann, 2021 now, going ahead. We're going to assume that things are going to get better. So, what's 2021 going to bring for you? Well, I've been working on a second album, okay. which will be coming out in 2021. We're doing a writing camp with the Irish Women in Harmony. We're doing an album as the Irish Women in Harmony. Oh, yes. I'm hoping we'll do some shows together. I want to do some of my own shows. I'm, I've been writing this year with other artists still on Zoom and still writing away for other, for other artists in the industry. So everything hopefully will just be better. And we, I mean, the main thing I would love to see is just shows back again, because I think mm. we're all gagging to go to a gig, know, a live show yeah. again. And um, not, don't get me wrong, I loved performing in my pajamas and a nice top. That was kind of what I did this year with like pajamas <laughs> on the bottom and a nice top on top. But I definitely would love to get back in front of an audience again. And I think all all, all artists are, are dying for that. And yeah, just doing more music, just keep Keeping going to music, keep, you know, trying to champion and support Irish musicians and, and be a community together in Ireland and just keep them writing songs forever and, and singing hopefully forever. That's kind of the goal. Yeah, you know what? You just amaze me. I, th- I, th- I just think you're a truly extraordinary person, not only in the skills that you have in the music industry and all, you know, how, how you've persistently kept through it, but and now what you're doing to champion other women in the industry I just think it's amazing and you you know congratulations and I wish you nothing but the best going forward thank you and I love this podcast and I think you're doing amazing things for Irish music as well so thank you so so much much. because we need the support like this thank you so much Ruth Ann it's been a pleasure to have you been a pleasure thank you Thanks for listening to this episode of Foreplay. If you're an artist or a band and you're interested in getting in touch, then you can do so in many different ways. You can email me at podcastforeplay at gmail.com, on Twitter at podcastforeplay, on Facebook at Foreplay Music Podcast, and on Instagram at Foreplay Music Podcast. Thanks for tuning in again, and we'll chat soon.